Hey, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. Season 9, Episode 10. I am John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Got Kyle Gauss, Declan Landis, and Ramir Vaughn with us today. Got a great show ahead for you guys. We have an interview with Temple Forward Steve Settle. The Owls are less than a month away from beginning their season under first-year head coach Adam Fisher. So had the chance to catch up with Steve. Part of that interview you're going to hear here on the podcast, and then the part that you won't hear will only be available for OwlScoop.com subscribers. So it's a good time to subscribe to the site. Of course, we'll talk plenty of football. Temple has a game coming up Friday night at the link against SMU. EJ Warner status, of course, still up in the air. We have answers to your mailbag questions as well. All sorts of good stuff ahead. The Scoop is brought to you, as always, by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us. Temple Law grads will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. 7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. It's greenspans-law.com. What's up, guys? How What's up? Good. How are you? Oh. <laughs> Kyle, just hit us with anything. You normally make us laugh. Full of energy today. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Classic Kyle. What episode is this? 10? 10. Yeah, episode 10. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Oh, did we start already? We start on over to say, I didn't even say as usual. You're caught flat footed. Oh, whoops. Uh, you know, I don't care. I can't really think of Eli Manning. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Well, he took my chase, Danny. I thought it was (laughs) number two. Hey, (laughs) Maurice Cheeks, Mo Cheeks was number 10. I got my one in, so Coy Detmer. I think, I think Coy Detmer was number 10. That sounds right. Coy Detmer that year that McNabb got like like blew his knee out or whatever it was, and then Coy Detmer got his one start, and then he wins, and then he gets injured against the Niners, and then they went to AJ Feely, and then they flipped AJ Feely for a second round pick. There's a big one for you, right? Yeah, Tripper Jones. Yeah, there we go. He's down on the Braves. Fine. <laughs> the down on Tripper Jones is a person, but that's been about seven years in the making, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Declan? You just have you no. Have I have my one. I'm done. There you Nothing go. else? No, I'm playing into the gimmick now. I get one name a week. That's all you need from me. Karan Pratt. Ooh, Karan Pratt. He was the person to wear the number 10 after Deshaun Jackson. Oh, of course. How did I not know yeah, that? Yeah, naturally. <laughs> Excuse me. But Cordell Stewart was number 10. Slash. Now I'm actually just <laughs> fully that I am like looking at a look scrolling famous 10s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he actually has access to it this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Last week you thought you had the right board and you did not. <laughs> now I do. Number 10. God. Yeah, we're, we're all there. We all know where we were when we first saw Pele. <laughs> Justin Herbert. Here we go. There, okay. there you go. Attaboy. That's good. That's good. Attaboy. Anyway. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say Attaboy in front of Kyle. Sore subject. Ah. Uh, uh, man. <laughs> Kyle just said, I'm fine. Good. <laughs> doesn't bother me. <laughs> like, legitimately, that doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I'm not going to die on a hill for Orlando Arcia. Like, that's not going to be somewhere I stick my neck out. <laughs> that's, that's, that's valid. 
Well, we got some some basketball news, some football news, like I said. Before we get into the Steve Settle interview, something that's been in the works for a while became official this afternoon. Temple announced that Lynn Greer is joining Adam Fisher's staff as his chief of staff. So I think it's going to be in like an uh, alumni community relations NIL space type of hire. So I think something that the the program needs. I think obviously Lynn, second leading scorer in the program's history behind Mark Gnickin, guy that I think just creates a lot of goodwill in people and good memories. I mean, he was a hell of a college player, had a cup of coffee in the NBA, spent some time overseas playing. So Lynn's going to be back with the program. I think it's a great move for Adam's staff. We'll play the Steve Settle interview for you here in a second. Like I said, we'll preview the Temple SMU game. Got plenty of mailbag questions to get to. So the last time I talked to Steve was, I guess, back in May, not long after he had verbally committed to Temple, graduated from Howard, so he's in as a grad transfer, kind of a really intriguing player for this team. He's about 6'10", 6'11", you can shoot it, you can defend. In the portion of the interview you'll hear here, he talks about just being, you know, just all the work he put in the offseason. He said he added eight inches to his vertical leap, which is crazy. Crazy, so I don't even know if I can jump eight inches off the ground. No chance. Uh, you you so short. You'd, 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 you would rupture your Achilles if you tried to jump <laughs> eight inches. I know you got some bunnies, John. <laughs> Kyle, for yeah. how like yeah. two or three years, Kyle at one point told me that he used to be able to dunk, and we were just around people. I don't know if we were no at way, really. I don't know if we were at a football game or a basketball. Don't believe it for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. And then I told somebody, I was like, Kyle used to be able to dunk. Yes. It's like, you told me that you could dunk. He's like, that was that was a lie. I didn't think you actually believed it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. When I went to the doctor two months ago and they listed me at 5'11 and a half, that should have been your first indication that I cannot dunk. <laughs> no, I don't want to doubt you. There's some short kicks out there. It's, can, it's Kyle's, a very good, Kyle's a very, very good recreational liar, wouldn't you say? I thought you were going to say Kyle was like a very, very good recreational, like something like, oh, yeah, he plays good, like pick up football. And I was like, where are you getting this from? But recreational uh -huh. liar. Yeah, I'll wear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a catch me if you can, which then they found out like 40 years later, catch me if you can. Like the, that guy lied about most of his lies <laughs> like because <a little> <laughs> he claimed like, oh, yeah, I was like this Pan Am pilot. I did this and I practiced surgery and all and they found out later. Like, yeah, you lied about your lies, too. I think lying about lies still a lie as I try to teach my son. <laughs> oh, we had we had Jordan earlier this week. If he was lying, and kept saying no, kept saying no, and they finally said, "What's lying?" And we're like, "Okay, <laughs> guess That's we have to establish that first. That's very philosophical. Yeah, your own technicality. Yeah. You explain it well enough. Had to get a jail free card. Just had to let him go. <laughs> well, so like we said, we have a great interview for you guys with Steve Settle, a grad transfer that I think is going to really obviously play prominently into what Temple does this season. Had a chance to talk to him about just the growth in his game over the last five or six months since he committed to Temple back in May. And he just talked to me about some some improvement in his game. Like I said, he he feels stronger, has a better vertical leap now. Talked about some of the tweaks to his shot, how the team plans to use him. I asked him about the team being picked to finish 12th in the preseason poll and whether that matters to the guys. He talked to me about Adam Fisher's coaching style, how it compares to some of the other players, uh, excuse me, some of the other places he's been, whether it's been to Matha in high school or Howard before Temple. What that NCAA tournament experience means to him. He talked to me about Heiser Miller and Jaleel White. Talked about Sam Hoffman, one of the, the newer additions to the roster, and Jordan Riley. So a lot of great stuff ahead. And like I said, if you are a subscriber to Al Scoop, you'll get access to the whole interview. Some of the stuff that you're not going to hear here on the pod. I talked to him about Zion Stanford, Matteo Piccarelli, Quante Berry. Just really went up and down the roster. Gave me a lot of great stuff. Uh, about the, Talked about the identity of the team, any surprises. 
just his relationship with Jameer Young, a guy that he played with at the Matha. So great time to subscribe to the site now. But we'll play this portion of the interview with Steve Settle, and we'll have more for you on the other side. All right, so Steve, it's it's been probably like, what, five months since I talked to you, since you committed to Temple. Mm-hmm. How are you different now as, as a player? I mean, you had a good career at Howard. You know, the last game you played in was an NCAA tournament game, which is great. Take me through what's different for you now from the time I last talked to you when you committed in May to, to now. Where are you as a player and teammate and all that stuff? I think I've, I've taken a huge uh, step this summer. I think the, the main thing I've noticed um, is just how much better I feel, how much stronger I feel in the court um, with the weight program that, that I'm in right now. And just add, trying to add to what I was doing last year, um, trying to keep taking steps forward. Um, I feel a lot faster, a lot quicker. Um, my vertical has grown, I think, eight inches. Um, so just a little stuff like that. And then just making sure I'm staying sharp on my skills, uh, watching film and, and making the right reads. I think that's that's been the, the biggest thing I've seen. How does that happen? Your vertical grew eight inches? Yeah. How does that, I mean, is it just good old-fashioned work on your calves and stuff? Yeah. How does that, how's that happen? Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you. I was pretty surprised myself. Um, but... I just it was the intent that we came in every day with. I think everyone uh, took huge steps in the weight room, um, but I just wanted to make sure I knew that was kind of not a weakness for me, but something I wanted to emphasize going into the off season. Um, so it's kind of something I took pride in, um, and just wanted to make sure that I was getting everything I could out of this opportunity. Um, so that was just the, the, just showing up and, and wanting to do the work. So that's where it got me. You notice it in practice, like it's just easier to dunk over people or just grab yeah. rebounds, block shots, stuff like that? Yeah, I think the main thing is just defensively, I feel way faster, way quicker. And I, I feel like I was pretty solid defensively last year, but just getting passing lanes more, blocking shots, and just being all over the place. I feel like with the you know endurance that I built up last year um, and seeing what that looked like um, coming into this year and knowing how that's supposed to look, I think coupled that with the current you know abilities uh that i was able to gain in the weight room over this offseason um i think it's a great thing so i think one of the things you talked to me about is when you came in that adam fisher and the staff here talked about like where your shot was at howard and they mm-hmm. said with a couple of tweaks here and there um it could go from here to here where do you feel like you are with your shot uh, i think i've been doing a great job shooting the ball if i do say so but i think for me it was just getting a lot of reps i think in the offseason we wish i was shooting so many shots a day um and it's so easy to shoot here because the managers are here all day. If you go out there, you'll see them, um, and you can shoot whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they get our rebounds for us, and it was just reps, I think. And then, you know, shot shot selection, as well as, you know, practicing the shots that you shoot in the game um, at game speed. And I think, you know, and also having that confidence, um, that's, a, that's a big factor that's never really talked about as much. But just having the confidence to shoot, you know, repeatedly is, that's been the, the biggest change for me is just, I think the reps and just the mindset. I know you can't give away like everything you guys are going to do, but how, if you had to explain to fans, how do you think the program's going to use you? I mean, everybody talks about your versatility, and every player at the end of the day wants to be versatile, and we talk about positionless basketball and all that stuff, but how would you describe the fans how, you know, Coach Fisher and the staff plan to use you? Well, from what I've seen so far is, you know, I'm a player that can fit in anywhere. I can I can be a small five. I'm tall, but I'm not a center, um, but I could be played at the five in this, you know, system. Um, I could be played at the one in this system. I could be played at any position, um, and that I can guard one through five defensively, um, especially you know with the added size in the weight room and added quickness as well. Um, so I think you know I'm a player that can fit anywhere, and, and you know our whole team's going to play hard. We're going to play defense, and and that's kind of what we're going to hang our head on. 
do you guys care at all about preseason polls? I know you guys are picked 12th. A lot of players will say, hey, we won't really care either way. Do you guys look at that and use it as any fuel, or do you kind of just say, yeah, whatever, we're going to work regardless of how we're going to work? Yeah, I mean, I, I care. I think that's uh, was a little bit disrespectful. Um, I know what the guys, you know, went through last year. I know the tradition that we have, but at the end of the day, we got to come in here and work every day. Um, and for me, that that's a little extra motivation, knowing that we're picked. You know, the teams are just not coming into the league that are picked ahead of us. So for me, I know that's extra motivation for me, and I want to be a part of something that's, you know, putting this team back where it belongs. Um, so I think for me, I can speak for everyone. Um, that we that's definitely in the back of our minds we know preseason polls aren't the end all be all but it's something to you know add we already have motivation coming in and that just you know add a little bit more so what's adam fisher's coaching style like i mean again last time i talked to you you had known him as a recruiter and you got a good vibe from him what's it like now having been in the program for about six months you haven't played yet in a a game for him but what's it like with him with the whole staff what's it like compared to what you had at howard and what you had at damatha in high school and a pretty good program there yeah, I think it's, it's very different. And, you know, what I had at Howard was exactly what I needed. Um, so, you know, shout out to those coaches there. And Coach Fisher is a great coach um, for what I've seen so far. And I have no zero complaints, very positive, just like I, he was on my visit. And that's the biggest thing is from my visit to now, he hasn't changed at all. He gives us exactly what we need, gives us the confidence that we need. And he approaches every day with the same attitude and the same mindset. And that's, you know, to take a step and get better each day. Um, and he realizes there's going to be bumps in the road, especially, you know, with a new team and players, you know, that he recruited and also players left over. Um, so he realizes that he's done a great job of making sure that we're bridged together and, you know, we're going to do whatever we can for each other. So I think with any first time head coach, that's exactly what you need. And, and he's done a great job. So credit to him. We talked about this a little earlier. You have something that other players on this roster don't have, which is NCAA tournament experience. I think last time we talked, you'd said, I'll probably reflect on a little bit more. Yeah. The whole thing about how we're getting back, Kamala Harris coming and talking yeah. to you guys. But do other guys on the roster ask you about what it was like? You had a, you had, you had a really good first half against mm-hmm. a really good team in Kansas. Mm-hmm. What does that do for your confidence? And do the guys on the team ask you, like, hey, Steve, what was it like? Because that's what everybody's chasing right yeah. now. Yeah, I think, you know, Coach emphasizes that a lot. You know, it takes a lot to get to the NCAA tournament, and, and he knows, you know, I think that was part of the reason, you know, that what drew him to, or what drew me to him um, was just, you know, my winning experience. You know, it takes a lot to get there, um, and that's something I bring to this team is just knowing what it takes. You know, we were 4-29 my first year at Howard. I registered that year, but we built a program over there and, and were able to get, you know, turn it completely 180 all the way around, you know what I mean? So... Definitely the players, you know, I pick my brain a little bit on, on things that I need, and I try my best to, to fill in where, where I'm needed, um, whether that's encouraging teammates or uh, just trying to show them, like, this is a specific way we have to work. And it's, if, you know, he's telling us to do this, we got to do this exactly how it is. So that's just how what I try to bring to the table. I don't try to overstep too much um, and kind of let guys, you know, do what they do um, and just try to fill in where needed. I've talked to Adam, and he'd said, you know, guys like Hysir Miller and Jaleel mm-hmm. White, two guys who stayed, in addition to Emmanuel Palmo and Shane Dezoni and guys like that. Yeah. But he really wants them to kind of take a step forward with their leadership. He mm-hmm. wants this to be their team in addition to everybody else's. What do you see from them as players and people now that you've been around them on the court, off the court? I know those guys both really take a lot of pride in, like, just like everybody else. Like, Temple's got a proud tradition. We yeah. want to get it back to the yeah. NCAA tournament. What, what have you seen from those guys? Well, I think the biggest thing is just the mindset. Those guys come in every day, they work hard, and they want to win. I think that's the biggest thing you need for any team. When you have 
14, 15 guys that all have the same mindset, that don't care who scores, that don't care who gets the glory, the stats. I think that's the biggest thing for any good team. And that's all I've seen from those guys. Those guys just want the best for the team. They, they do whatever the coach says, and they just want to make sure that they're giving us the best opportunity to win. And those two guys, along with Shane and Emmanuel, um, all bring different things to the game, um, to our team. And we're, we're going to need every single person on this team. So I think the guys that have returned have done a great job in incorporating and bringing the new guys in, and it's been great. I have nothing but great things to say about those guys. Tell me about Sam, and he's, what, 6'5", but he's, like, 280, yeah. right? Almost like but like like a, like a an old-school, like, Charles Barkley yeah, type yeah. of player. And, I mean, he's strong, but, mm. you know, Adam tells me he can shoot threes, yeah. too. Tell yeah. me about what you've seen from him so far. Sam's a great player. You know, Sam joined our group uh, a little later than uh, everyone else, but... He fit right in, and you know those are the type of players you want to be around. You know, guys that you enjoy being around, and guys that don't cause any trouble in the locker room. Sam's just a great person overall, and you know anyone would be proud to play with him. Um, his skill set is—he adds a different dynamic to our team because he's so strong, and you know he's, he's not tall, but he can shoot the ball, and he's a mismatch for any five. But he still can bang down there. Um, he just makes my job easier, you know. He clears it out and it allows me and Ja to come in and, you know, grab rebounds. And that's kind of exactly, you know, we have size on the wings and then we have a big, strong five-man that can, you know, bang bang around down there. So that's, that adds a great dynamic to any team, I think. Yeah, I wanted to go down the roster with you a little bit because now you have a perspective on these guys. Mm-hmm. Jordan Riley, another guy that transferred in around the same time. When I talked to Jordan, seemed like really, really no nonsense yeah. and had some really good games for a Georgetown program that unfortunately they really struggled, but he put some stuff on film where people could see they could really play. Yeah. What have you seen from Jordan and what's it like being his teammate? I think, I think y'all gonna be real, real happy with how Jordan plays. Jordan plays really hard, super athletic, and he just wants to win. Um, he's gonna do whatever it takes to win. He's a great person uh, to be around, a happy person all the time, always smiling. Um, and he just, like I said, he wants to do whatever he can um, to make sure that, you know, we give ourselves the best chance to win. And that's, you know, the type of, type of people you want to be around is they don't have a specific role, but their role can change. Jordan is also very versatile. He can shoot the ball. He can facilitate. He can, you know, get in the lane and, and punch on somebody any, at any second. You know, that's defense. I think defensively he's great, strong. And he's just somebody that can do multiple things on the court as well. So I think y'all going to be real excited to see Jordan. Right. So big thanks to Steve for making time to talk to us for the scoop. Like I said, Great time to subscribe to alscoop.com now. If you haven't already, you'll get full access to that interview. Also, the chance to talk to Cam Winter, who's also part of Adam Fisher's staff, played for him last year at Penn State. We'll have more from him next week. Women's media day is tomorrow, so we'll have some audio from that next week. And then the men's basketball media day is next Thursday. So a lot more basketball stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Like I said, Temple is, of course, less than a month away from kicking off their season, tipping off their season. Tipping off would be the phrase. Tipping off. Leading off, mixing in some baseball elements. That was beautiful. Speaking of which, Cherry and White Knight is next Thursday. Nobody does a worse job of promoting their like annual night than Temple. It's always like six days notice. It's mm. like, oh, by the way, if you want to come, here we are. And then that's it. And then they're shocked <laughs> that nobody shows up. I was really pumped about it last year, but that was only because... You didn't know any better? Rumblings. No, that we heard rumblings <laughs> that Miles Teller was going to be there. Because they Why showed... Would- and Why would Miles Teller come to? I don't know. But then at the beginning, they showed the Top Gun Maverick trailer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Here he comes. 
No. And then he just wasn't they there. Just showed it for no reason. Did you, you legitimately would... think Miles Teller was going to be there? There's a better. Well, I didn't until I saw the the Top Gun Maverick entire trailer on the jumbotron, Bim. and I was like, why else would they show it? There's a better and chance then... of being at the Downingtown West football game wherever they're playing. Seriously, yeah. like yeah, when East West plays next week, he has a better chance of that. That's but the like... second straight Downingtown football <laughs> reference we fit in. Whereas Miles, well, no, before is Downingtown Young Whippets. This is Downingtown, you know, Whippets, oh, Whippets. Speaking of, no, no, yeah, um. I think there would be a better chance of him going to like Villanova. If Villanova's good, yeah. don't worry. Miles Teller will show up and pretend he's always been a Villanova fan. <laughs> <laughs> that guy knows PR. That's how you got to do us. He does. Yeah. He was hoodwinked, Declan. Yeah, I can't believe he's so bad. Also, why, yeah, then you... why did they play the Top Gun Maverick trailer? That's all. Because, because it was like the movie sometimes of the summer. Things, sometimes things just happen. This could be an elaborate, like, people were in on it to make you look like a fool. I, it just didn't factor into anything. Like they just you said it literally, trailer. yeah. But it factored into your decision to go, right? No, I had to cover it anyway. For who? Uh, for WHIP. So if you didn't know about Trey and White, Ooh. now you know. Thanks, Kyle. Yes. And, and no yeah, look at me. <laughs> Where are my residuals? Or are my uh, not residuals? <laughs> phrase look for my cut. Anyway, let's talk about that Temple football team hosting SMU Friday night. Jay Warner's uh, status still up in the air. Obviously, if he does not play, Temple's chances of being any better than a 20 and a half point underdog go even further down the toilet. So they we'll go see. Friday night at the link. It's going to be on ESPN2. What's that? So they go from a 3% chance to a 0% chance. Just saying there's a chance. Another thing, which again, I don't want to do Temple's marketing job for it, but like, You're doing a great job. Why wouldn't you just be like, hey, come to the Temple game? We'll have the Phillies game up on the Jumbo Giants, the <laughs> gigantic viewing party. Miles Teller will be there. Miles Teller will parachute in. Like they'll do something, but instead, just nothing. Like so, instead, you'll have a, ba- a bad crowd there when you could have just gotten people in the door for pennies, and then Dan looks up at the scoreboard, forgets the call play. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Schwarbo's up to bat. Just enraptured by uh, what's going on in the Phillies game. Absolutely, yeah. But we don't think that's going to happen, as far as we know. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm full of not bad ideas. <laughs> Peter Clark could be a huge Phillies fan for all we know. Maybe. Yeah. They call it what, rounders? Isn't it rounders is the, the sport over in England? It's, it's like a kid's fan. game that's kind of like that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Have somebody yeah. ask about that. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, ask me if you ever played rounders growing up. Nonetheless, SMU, really good team. They had the best defense in the American. They're allowing just 17 points per game. Puts them 18th nationally in that category. They're also, again, they're 20 and a half point favorites heading into this game Friday. They also have the league's third best offense. They're averaging a little bit more than 30, 33 points a game. Excuse me. They're really getting off to quick starts. They've outscored their opponents 62 to 14 in the first quarter. Again, not a good mix for Temple, which typically gets off to slow starts. They're, they're coming off a 31-10 win over ECU last Thursday. So they're a little bit more well-rested than Temple is. Preston Stone threw three touchdown passes in that game. And then Jonathan McGill, one of their safeties, had a pick six. Kobe Wilson, you guys might remember him. He forced a fumble in that game. Maybe, maybe a slight glimmer of hope for Temple was that SMU did go three and out on their first three second half possessions. So they, they've shown a propensity to have, you know, some slumps in their offense. Uh, Jalen Knighton's their top running back. Had a big game against Charlotte uh, two weeks ago with 150 yards and two touchdowns. But he was very quiet in last week's win. Just had... Uh, 26 yards on 11 carries. Their defense has 17 sacks. Their offense is tied for the lead league and fewest sacks allowed. But they, again, granted, Temple's just behind them at nine. And we know that we know how many pressures Temple's offensive line has allowed. So that's not always the best indicator of how they're playing. But 
nonetheless, good reason the Temple's a 20.5-point underdog in this game. We'll cut right to it here. What has to go right for Temple to pull off the upset here? Obviously, we know that if EJ Warner doesn't play, it's a huge challenge. Quincy Patterson can run the ball. He just does not put touch on it, throwing it. We've seen that over and over again. We saw it in the open against Duke last year. We saw it last week against North Texas. So we, we obviously know that they're really, really going to be behind the eight ball if he has to play. And that's just being realistic. But what has to go right for Temple to pull off the upset against SMU? Everything. But more specifically, defensively, they have to play a game because if EJ doesn't play at all, like if EJ doesn't play, if he sits and rests or whatever, they're not going to get much going offensively because you 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 become very one-dimensional with um, Quincy Patterson at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So defensively, they're going to have to play a game, and they've given up, what, 40 points in their last four, mm-hmm. I believe. So defensively, they, they have to be disciplined. They have to be gap sound. They have to get back to the basics and fundamentals. Which they talk about every week, but they still continue. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and some of the guys talking about it, whether it's Jordan McGee, I mean, they're not exactly young at those positions. When it's, I know Andy Rigby's missed time, but you have Jordan McGee. You have guys that have played a fair amount of football who are struggling in those areas. And there is, like, there. we'll get to in a mailbag question. Stan Drayton talked about that. He was asked, like, why is that still continuing to happen? So we can talk about that a little bit later in the show. But, yeah, it's a lot of the – it's – a lot of the same stuff and a lot of the same business. Kyle, any thoughts on this? Here's this. I'm not nearly as scared as SMU's offense as I as I was like UNT's. Mm-hmm. Like to be quite frank, like out, if you take away their FCS game where they beat up on a a bad Prairie View A and M team, like they're like a 28 point a game team. They had 330 yards against a terrible East Carolina team. 360 yards against a bad Charlotte team, like. Preston Stone doesn't like scare me. That being said, I agree with everything else Ramirez said, where it doesn't really matter who they're going up against if your quarterback is one dimensional and you don't. You know, if like if, if Temple's going to get ten points on offense, it doesn't matter who they're playing, right? Like they can play Prairie View A and M, and it might be tough. So, yeah, I think this is wishing against hope, I guess. But like they need to do something on defense. The fact that they haven't forced a turnover in five games is insane. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of. But the good thing, I guess, is like SMU also doesn't force turnovers. They don't force turnovers at all. <laughs> they've had three games this year where they've had zero turnovers. Like SMU, this is this sounds awful because SMU is going to a bowl probably, and like Temple's going nowhere close to a bowl. SMU is very similar to Temple and like their deficiencies, but the difference is that they have a quarterback who can throw the ball on mm-hmm. Friday, and Temple probably does not. And Temple forced two fumbles last week at North Texas, didn't jump on either one of them. And you could tell not any coach would be disappointed that they didn't capitalize on those opportunities. And again, it might have made the final score a little bit better, but you could tell Stan Drayton was talking about that, that there's something missing there. A visible delay. Mm-hmm. Like the ball would come out and it would take them like a second half to realize like, oh, the ball's out. We should go for this. Like it was such a foreign concept to them, which in fairness. In fairness, they hadn't seen it in two months. Again, I mean, there were some teams, obviously, that ran them off the field last year, like UCF. But I just feel like this defense is not as aggressive this year. They might be a little bit more banged up or maybe even a lot more banged up than they were last year. But that same energy just is not there as much. Stan Drayton did say, I mean, I asked him if if Quincy is starting, who's your backup? And he said it would be Forrest Brock. So we'll see. I mean, if... if I think for that to happen, it would have to be something similar to last to last week where like you're down three scores in the, the third, fourth quarter and you need a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. 
Mm-hmm. So hey, let's see what Forrest can do out there. The fact like they waved the white flag last last week when they kept Quincy Patterson in down by 20 points when they had to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And then he throws three picks, like shockingly. Mm-hmm. May I go on a slight rant? Would that be Why? okay? Why not? Sure. I'm looking forward to this. The off the the best game the offense has put up, and correct me if I'm Is wrong. It's gonna be at the about the tight ends again. No, no, okay. I promise. <laughs> Was UTSA, yes. right? Right or wrong? Yes. yes. Correct. In which EJ Warner threw 65 passes. Sure. Why then are you putting in a quarterback that you know can't give you more than 20 passes a game? Because EJ and Warner complete, wasn't available. maybe half of them. Like, what's the what's the the comment here? EJ Warner wasn't available then. Like I think there's such a drop off between You're EJ Warner. Put, should they have played Forrest? Or... Why not try it? Well, why not try it? They, I, I can only assume that they're they're not seeing enough of Forrest Brock or Tyler Douglas in practice. They're the ones seeing practice every day. He's probably yeah. not as good as Quincy Patterson. Yeah, even throwing the ball. I mean, he was a JUCO guy with no other FBS offers, mm-hmm. Declan. Like he wasn't some. I just think like it is waving the white flag, like you were saying. Like why right. not just just for a series, Look, even see what's happening. And I'm sure, honestly, like last week started as well as it could for them, where like Quince Patterson takes them on, you know, two touchdown drives like early, and like the look we're able to run the ball and that extra threat of Quincy's legs are exactly what we need. Right. But then UNT adjusts. But like I don't think they were gonna take him out at a certain point early on when. It was working, and then... Well, the early on is fine. Like, I, I understand that. But then in the second half, like... Well, just to but, but just to kind of go back to what Kyle was saying there, and that is where you obviously point the, the finger back at the defense. If, if you can get any semblance of a stop or any semblance of, like, forcing a turnover, let's say they jump on those fumbles, then the game does become different, and then you're not forced to throw, throw, throw. Definitely. Obviously, he has to be able to make some some basic throws, and he just can't Quincy's a really really nice kid he's a great person to talk to in an interview but he just struggles throwing the ball but that's where I go back to your defense if they're doing if they're playing at least half the game that they should then you're not asking Quincy to throw the ball a ton you keep running on a defense that that is quite literally UNT's rushing defense was the might still be the worst in the country I mean Temple put up a couple hundred yards on him so that's where your defense really has to be accountable but yeah, I mean, we're not, again, we see 15 minutes of practice if we want to a week, so we're not seeing sure. it. I can only assume that they just must. It's very feasible to think that Tyler Douglas just isn't ready. He's a true freshman. And like Kyle said, Forrest Brock is a junior college transfer with one FBS offer, and it came from Temple. We saw him in the spring game. He threw, I think he actually threw a nice Couple pass nice to balls. John Adams in, yeah. the, in the spring game. But, yeah, he would be backing up Quincy if, if Quincy either can't go or gets hurt or if they just get fed up and make a change. It just felt wanted- like there were two quarters of meaningless football that maybe you could have ran a series with Forrest Brock just to see something. And then he could maybe build on that for this week. Yeah, something against a defense that point. isn't your own. Like, that's yeah, but, all but, I'm but, trying to say. Fair point. I think it's also, like, look, Stan said they knew midweek that EJ wasn't going to go despite it being reported as a game-time decision. Um, I think it was more just – also, you put in a game plan based around the running quarterback, right? That's like true. You, that's true. You put in a game plan that was probably more ground-based. I think it's easy for us as outside people sometimes to think that's like Madden where you can just say, oh, let's run these plays that they didn't practice all week. But in college football, they have to stick to the game plan usually. They're not usually as like, oh, yeah, let's get these wideouts to run these plays that they haven't in practice. I don't know. With another, with, that's also the reason I don't think EJ is going to play on Friday with a bye week afterwards. And if it's still up in the air as of the, like today, then for them to just rip out their game plan and put him in there would be slightly chaotic. Yeah, so Stan, what? Stan, I don't think any of us heard his his weekly radio show with Kevin Kopp, but I guess he said on his 
on his on his radio show. That I was using one of those hand crank radios that they give you for like hurricanes. I couldn't pick it up. <laughs> like it didn't show up on my. You were gathered, gathered. Yeah, I'm drinking your oval tea. Just worrying down there. I, it was like uh, in signs when they go into the basement, <laughs> and they're just down there. And it's all dark, and they're looking for the light. Vominos, children. Vominos. And then she's by the, she's by the coal mine, the coal chute. You see the fingers. Great movie. Have you seen signs? No. Good movie. Okay. Right. Have you seen signs? I don't watch movies either. You don't watch any movies? No. I watched like period. What was the last movie you watched? Give me, yeah, one movie that you've seen. I know you said your favorite movie because I was like, I've never heard anybody watch this movie. What movie was that? Escape Room. No, it was um my favorite movie is Knives Out, but Escape Room was good too. Yeah, okay, yeah. I forgot. You've seen Knives a couple Out. movies. Yeah, I've seen a couple, just none. Wait, so you saw Knives Out? Did you see Knives Out too? No. What? <laughs> your um, favorite movie is Knives Out. They released a sequel right after that, and you said no. See what a, a dip into my personal life i guess i had a girlfriend at the time and that was all while i was watching movies and now that i don't have a girlfriend anymore i don't watch movies as much so we gotta run me your girlfriend seems like movies again it also seems reversed <laughs> that's the mission i feel like i feel like you should have that's more free goal. time now to yeah to watch, watch said movies. movies yeah i got more free time to do what i decide to do and Ooh. Watching, Ooh. Movies. Ooh. watching movies is not what I decided to do. So, so you didn't when you were with, when, when you, were with you should just follow Javon's lead and just Google early 2000s quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could spend my time better than he was really upset. Random Chris quarterbacks. I'm downloading an ooh sound effect after this. I don't know. It was coming out of interviewing Steve Settle, and I just saw a lot of chatter about Chris Sims and Javon being angry about Chris Sims. I was folding my laundry and I was just so confused how it even came I'm up. I'm impressed that you were folding your laundry. That's good. My laundry just gets thanks. Show, it shows up. <laughs> it shows up back in the drawers. Yeah, there's some, nice. there's some people who get way behind on folding laundry. So nice. Yeah. Well, what we were talking about, we, we were on a point before we got the <laughs> movies, uh, movies, signs, signs, uh, the crank radio, radio show. Oh, radio show. Yes, thank you, thank you. It was very good, very methodical. Works us back to the point. That was very, very impressive. So, yeah, we, we were told that Stan Drayton said on his weekly radio show that, that EJ Warner still has not cleared concussion protocol. When I walked over Monday for Stan's weekly presser, I saw I saw EJ out on the field running, getting work in. He wasn't throwing again. I saw him for like 10, 15 seconds. That does not mean that he's been cleared. So I don't know. I think Kyle brings up a good point. I mean, I think there is an incentive. I mean, the incentive is you want to play so you can you know, win a game and just, again, like they just have to put good stuff on film at this point because they're yeah. trying to recruit and win and, you know, build some good faith for the future. But yeah, I mean, it's very feasible to think, okay, you have a bye week coming up. It's a short week. Predictions. I mean, mine changes slightly based on EJ Warner's. Event. I, have, I have one more comment to make just because I want to end on a nice note for him. In Quincy Patterson's defense, that was the worst game catching the ball Temple's had in yeah, a lot of That's weeks. True. There was a, a lot, lot of drops. And granted, like I'm sure he doesn't throw as catchable of a ball. Like sometimes you see it more wobbly, but like Jordan Smith, if it hits you in the hands, you gotta catch the ball. Yep. Well, and he ran the ball well. Like he he looked he good. Just, Stan, you know. Stan also kept coming back to it on Monday. He literally seemed gutted about 21 missed tackles, 21 missed tackles. Yeah. He kept coming back to that as much. And he's not obviously not wrong. That's I mean, a he's lot. Clearly, clearly yeah. ticked off about how the defense is playing. I wonder if that's just all trickle down stuff where like you find out EJ Warner's not playing, Quincy Patterson's not playing. I wonder if the defense sees sees the offense in practice every day. I wonder if they're like, we don't got a shot in this game. It just becomes like that's not football. good. Yeah, I was going to say, yikes. Not no, good. no, it's not great. But yeah. like, they're also not a great football team right now. So like, it's it's kind of hard also to envision that everything's running perfectly. 
Yeah. Would, would any of you predict a Temple upset if EJ Warner does play? No. 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 no I mean, they got a shot at that point. Yeah. Like, because, like, you never know, right? Like, it, it could just become, like, like, SMU's defense, Stan says, is not, you know, like, they're not very technical. Like, it's a pretty simple scheme. Like, you just got to know where to throw the ball, and that's what EJ Warner succeeds at. If it became a game where it was like, look, they need to just put up points, like, yeah, a shot there. But I'd, I'd still predict Temple to lose, but I wouldn't surprise me in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. I think it'd be like a 35 30 game if EJ plays. I think if he doesn't play, it's like this is like a 48 to 10 game. Yeah. 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 All right. I'll be asleep. So you guys enjoy. No, you're going to Georgia yes. this weekend. I am. Yeah. So I'll going be sleeping to, uh... ahead of my 5 a.m. flight. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going? I'm going to Georgia Tech Family Weekend this weekend. I thought you said Georgetown and then you said flight. And I was like, that what? would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 20 minute flight. <laughs> transported there in a helicopter. Oh, like Kendall Roy. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody watched the succession. Good for you. That's a great show. Yeah. Uh, before we get over to the, to the mailbag, I did want to play this clip of, of, of Stan Drayton talking about you know, near the end of his press conference on Monday. I think, like, obviously fans are ticked. They're upset. They want to see a coaching change. They wonder if the players have tuned things out, if the coaches are apathetic at this point. I get that this is probably not going to bring them a win on Friday, but I did think it was interesting how passionately Stan talked about, like, really, really trying to turn – turn this thing around. So I asked him, I asked Dan, I said, what do you, you know, you've been around winning programs. You've been at Texas, you've been at Ohio state, you've been around winning, you've been around losing. What do you lean on at times like this? And he was pretty passionate and talking about you know, how he leans on his faith, but just talking about, I don't know if it was in the same answer. He looked at Declan. He's like, I'm going to remember conversations like these. Uh, he yeah. didn't look at me. Let the record show. It was not me. That's part of the narrative. You could see it on the YouTube. It was not me. Maybe he just, I heard he, I heard he threw a lit cigarette at you. That's a deck. I'm gonna be the first. Time. That would have been incredible. It's not the first time somebody's thrown a lit cigarette at you. What? Have I not told this story? Oh, is this that Chick fil A story? Chick fil A, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's another time. Another time. Sorry, get to your clip. No, it's all right. Yeah. Anyway, here's Stan Tra- Drayton talking about just really being passionate about like what he leans on and really wanting to get uh, things turned around to the Temple Football Program. My faith. God, you know, um, he promised me one thing that it wasn't going to be easy. All right. And I'm prepared for that. You know, you don't have a man that's defeated in front of you. All right. You have a man that's keeping the faith I have in my heart. And I have a desire to raise young men. I have a desire to, to put them in situations where they're going to be successful. And football has been my vehicle to do that for a lot of young men. Okay. And um, I've endured some tough times before. You know, and I've come out the other side. So I'm encouraged by that, you know, so I'm going to keep my faith and stay true to what's on my heart, you know, and uh, believe that, uh, you know, what I'm going through is making me a better man, making us a better football team, you know, uh, getting men prepared for real life. All right. And when we overcome this, man, we're going to really enjoy it. All right. One more thing before we get to the mailbag. Dewan Mathis shouldn't surprise people. Dewan Mathis announced this week that he's entering the transfer portal. So he's now going from Georgia to Temple. And now we'll see if he pursues quarterbacking again as a grad transfer, whether he transfers down to the FCS level. We'll see. A few questions to get to in the mailbag here. The first one, this is coming from uh, an AlceGoop.com subscriber. The screen name is TJ Clark. It looks like there are 17 scholarships available for next year, not including transfer portal activity for the football team. Temple has nine commits. Do you have any insight into if the commits are still solid? 
Who is Temple targeting currently in high school? How heavily may they lean on the portal to fill the gaps? Like, do they have any shot at the Camden defensive tackle who decommitted from West Virginia? He's talking about Richard James Jr. there. A lot to get to here. I, I Yes, I think they'll be portal heavy. Are all the guys solid with their commitments? We talk about this every year, but it's a good talking point to bring up. It can change by the week. Not only can their commitment on their commitment change by the week, but there's no telling about whether, you know, these coaches watch high school film every week. If they're not seeing what they like from a player that they had in camp or whatever, they can pull an offer or they can say, hey, if you want to come here, great. If you want to start here, this is not going to be the place for you and we can help you get somewhere else. So talking about all of the commitments and if they're all still solid is really kind of a, a fool's errand really late, this late in, in October. I could very much see them taking just a few more high school commits between now and December and waiting a lot more on the portal, but I'll turn this over to you guys if you want to chime in on this. I will say that I do expect them to be very portal heavy because especially like on the lines, both offensive and defensively. Yeah. We see what the production that they have gotten from high school students or like red shirt freshmen. When you see high school students, I just think of them just randomly grabbing people out of like study hall or lunch. You want to play? Oh something? man, you love football. Oh, yes, but you I'm love football. Tomorrow. You love football as much as you like that chicken burrito. Like, there's a place for you at Temple. <laughs> like I always have that recurring dream of like you wake up and it's like the end of the school year and you realize you didn't go to a class the whole I time. I still have that dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. that could be like me in that scenario, but then like they yanked me out. Like, by the way, have you not been studying the playbook? You're starting at left tackle today. <laughs> oh no. Oh, fellas. Oh, Dude, no. Coach. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's like, look, there has been some guys you can point to and you're like, look, maybe they hit on them or maybe that's like a, a good addition, right? Like, like Reese Clark looks good as a redshirt freshman. Yeah, like yeah. it looks like when Jordan Smith moves on, like Reese Clark just takes that role when you go from there. But unless there is some surefire five-star recruit that really wants to come to Temple, Odds are any high school recruit they're going to get at this point in the recruiting cycle is not going to help them next year. And I think it's so imperative that this upcoming season that they make progress that to Ramirez's point, I think they're just going to go portal, portal, portal heavy and Juco heavy. So that way they have a fighting chance next year, because if you go two and 10 or three and nine in year three of a coaching regime, yeah, then you're really starting to ask those questions about, yeah, then last one out, turn off the lights, right? Like, yep. You got like three years to kind of figure things out and get on the right trajectory. Next question here from SHU Source is the screen name from the Alscoop.com football message board. Well, this one's off topic. What was the best Halloween costume you ever wore and candy corn, yay or nay? I heard Jamel Hill talking about candy corn. She said, if you like candy corn, you're a terrorist, which I thought was funny. Yeah. I, I like candy corn. <laughs> That's a really so, strong But I'm opinion. not a terrorist. I think candy corn is one of those things that people are like, they dislike it because they were told to dislike it. Yeah, it's like a fad almost to dislike Yeah. It. And like, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to go out and buy candy corn in April if it's available and be like, here we go. But here we go. Right. Man, I think, I think, I think we've had it. this question before because I think I've definitely told this story before. In high school, when I was living in Indiana, one year I just went as uh, Robert Downey Jr. And it was just me dressed normally. I just carried a bag of flour. And every single time I went to uh, a new door, I just did a bump of flour. <laughs> And so how did that go in the Midwest? Great. They loved it. Are you kidding me? The Midwest uh, with a Hollywood, a Hollywood elite going down on his luck. They love, they love that stuff. That was before the, um, 
the rebirth of Robert Downey Jr. That was before, did the people know. literally get it, or did you have to say, "Hey, I'm Robert"? No, I had to explain it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> explain a lot. Say? Then once they once you explained it, they laughed, or they'd be like, "Oh, that's awful," but they'd laugh. I was also at the age where you're probably like getting a little too old to trick or treat. Like mm-hmm. you're like 13, and you're like, "You gotta stop doing this, man." <laughs> where are Jordan and Haley going to be for Halloween? Um, Jordan is being. So there's a cartoon called Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which is like a Spider-Man cartoon. But instead of being Spider-Man, he's being Spin, who is Milo's Morales. Uh, so he's being Spin. And then Haley, I think, is being Minnie Mouse or something. I don't know. That's more Meg's area. But I'll say that. I think I liked my Robert Downey Jr. one. One time I went as, again, in Indiana, as like a, a teenager trying to figure himself. And there was a stretch where Beavis and Butthead... Um, they released a DVD on Comedy Central, like the best of Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene where Beavis pours nacho cheese on himself and says okay. that he's nachos. And mm-hmm. I did that. And it took like three weeks to get the smell of nacho cheese out of my hair. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't call I that my best. Before. I wouldn't call that my best, but I would call that my like most committed. So you most leave the house and you're like, mom, going out to trick or treat. Don't mind the cheese whiz and chips in my hair. I don't think I put chips. I think I literally just poured... Um, like the little like Tostitos thing of cheese whiz. What about your siblings? What about Chris and Diane? What do they think? Were they just laughing or were they like? Diane wasn't there at that point. Diane never moved to Indiana. She's five years older than me. Mm-hmm. And then Chris was probably rocking a mohawk and was also not aware of these things. <laughs> these things hit though. As like a 13 year old boy to like cite like a Beavis and Butthead episode and you pour like nacho cheese in your hair. Like it played for other 13 year old boys. Like... Kyle was big and gotta know your audience. (laughs) If you're not watching Ball State football, you're anticipating Kyle Gauss showing up at your doorstep (laughs) with nacho cheese in his hair. The guy, like the star running back in my high school in Indiana, went to like got recruited to Ball State and he showed up with a motorcycle. And they said, When you're not allowed to have a motorcycle as a football player, and he just quit the team, he chose the football, the uh, motorcycle over over his football career. Wheels are forever. (laughs) Declan, what was your best? Halloween costume. That's a great question. I I'm trying to think of like an actually good Halloween costume I've ever done, and I can't. My one I can remember. I have one really bad one, really like stupid one. I um, <laughs> my junior year of high school, I thought it'd be really funny if I bought this like Garfield suit. <laughs> Mondays, man, am I right? Where's I just my walked lasagna? around all day. I was like, "Yo, you got any lasagna?" And everybody laughed. It was great. And How then- old were you for this? That was junior year of high school. Gotcha. Does Silesianum does a, a does a, a private school allow you to dress up on on, on Halloween? Halloween? Yeah, we had a costume contest. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and um, my when I was in like kindergarten, I wanted to dress up as the Joker for some reason, <laughs> even though I was never allowed to watch Batman. <laughs> and <laughs> so, me as a kindergartner, not knowing what the Joker looked like. Because oh of course God. I didn't. I just thought like oh probably God. somebody was talking about it in school. Oh my God. I went in my grandmother's house in upstate New York and I got a <laughs> so stupid is saying this, it out. Is there loud. a picture of this? I, I'm sure there is. I'll text my mom and see if she has it, but it's it's a yellow cowboy hat. Oh no. A yellow mm-hmm. like jacket and yellow and black and white or yellow and black striped pants. And I had this like white, you know, like those masquerade balls. Mm-hmm. Like the masks, I had like a white mask 
And I said I was the Joker, and <laughs> it's a pretty instead great you look costume. Like the, instead, you look like the Phantom of Phantom of the Opera on LSD. Yeah, I was like the Phantom of the Opera if it took place in Dallas, like <laughs> like like Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't know. I don't know what I was going for. I really don't. What year was this? What year were you in kindergarten? Uh two thousand seven. It would have been before Heath Ledger. So you were going off of like 90s, 80s Joker. Kyle, I don't think I was going off of anything. Like, I don't even knew what the Joker was. Did you like, did your parents get like called in for a meeting with the principal after that? Were they like, (laughs) we need to do like some early intervention here to see if (laughs) they let me dress? I like, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, somebody didn't just Google a picture of the Joker for me and said, hey, you're way off. Here. You sound like you had Nate Bargatze's childhood. You know him? No. Stand up comic. He's hosting SNL next week. No, I don't know who that is. Oh, that's who that is. I saw that. It was like, who's hosting it? And I was like, God, they're getting I desperate. I it was Bad Bunny. Is, uh, is Bad Bunny the musical guest? Bad Bunny is the host and musical guest at some point. I saw. No, like, it's, the, it's the comedian this week. Oh, okay. Okay. Is Nate Bar- I thought Nate was next week. Isn't that this upcoming week? Or are you saying you're saying it's like the Halloween week? I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, he grew they up just like a Christian show. household in Tennessee and wasn't allowed to watch anything. And he tells a lot of funny jokes about that. There so, we go. Yeah. I'm probably so funny. you're a goofy Joker costume. Ramir, do you have any memorable Halloween costumes to stand out? Um, the one that I can remember definitely was a terrible Spider-Man. Yeah, I had the um. I guess I guess it was a onesie. I don't know what it was. It was the suit. It was like tight. I I. It was the mask hurt. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> um, I had on boots. Please, it, trick or treat, bro. <laughs> I ain't even make it a block before I took it off. <laughs> it it was just it was it was bad all the way around. For people that are listening, they might not see this. I have a gigantic head. So like a lot of those like spandex, like onesie things wouldn't fit over my head. So I'd have to go up like a size. And I have a memory of being like five or six years old, being a power ranger. And I had to get a bigger size one to get over my head. But then as a result, I also had a bigger size mask, which for some reason just didn't line up well with my head. And I fell probably like 45 times. I remember just like crying on the sidewalk and then being like, you're the one that chose the mask, man. Like, let's keep going. <laughs> wanted to be the red power ranger. Just getting trampled by kids. Get out of my way, man. I need my Smarties. <laughs> the one year, Smarties. I feel like I talked about this last year. Like, I mean, I'm 47 years old. So I had like the, the old school, like 80s costumes where it's just, you literally wear just like a piece of plastic that's on the front of you. You could be Superman, Batman, or whatever, and a, and, a, and a mask. And it was just like this like cheap costume. One year I was Mork from Orc, from Mork and Mindy. I wouldn't expect you to know that show. No, I do. That's uh, Robin Williams. He's an alien. Yes. Yeah. Good, good Correct. Call. Good call. Thank you. Um, I've never seen it, but I know it. One year I was, my dad was a, a huge Oakland Raiders fan. He had a Fred Bolitnikoff jersey. No, I got Fred Bolitnikoff name is, uh, Fred, Fred, Fred Bolitnikoff award is named after. And I was like, yeah, people are like, oh, look, he's a Raider, Raiders player. Who are you? Fred Bolitnikoff. People are like, I don't know. Here's, here's some candy. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, that's all I can think about right Fred now. Fred Bolitnikoff. They, they named an award after him. They did name an award one, after him. He was very one year he was player. Betty White from the Golden Girls. It was really just uh, <laughs> I was a great not, Christian. Betty <laughs> White. I wasn't Betty White. I'm sure I could think of other, some, some other stuff later on. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. Do you guys like Andy Corner now? Yeah, I dabble. It's fine. Yeah, it's I was fine. gonna say I don't know that I'd go out of my way for it, but it, like it, it's fine. Yeah. If it's on a table, you know, like I'm just there. Yeah, sure, yeah I'll have I'll a couple. Yeah, I'll be polite. I'll have a couple. Yeah, couple candy corns. 
Why not? Some a few weeks ago, Chelsea and I went to some pumpkin patch or farm in, in Malvern somewhere. It was just delightful. They had good candy corn. I love a nice little orchard in the fall. A nice little orchard. Yeah. Nice, nice little, little orchard experience, you know. Do you have a favorite orchard? Uh not really. I mean, I've been to a few in my day, but yeah, I can't remember any of their day. names off the top of my head. Yeah, go to one. We gotta go to one. We gotta go to one. Let's do it. All right. Bye week. Bye week. Next bye, week. Bye week. This week. Why well, and kind of this week, but all yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween after that's Friday. After Friday, football's uh, over. Be crowded. I love the enthusiasm, but we'll figure out our orchard plans. Off uh, Owl Scoop meetup at the mm -hmm. orchard. Halloween weekend. <laughs> Window <laughs> Orchard. Two more mailbag questions here. First one from Lone Star Two Thousand is the screen name here from the message board. To put it mildly, Temple's open field tackling. This is the one I was alluding to earlier. Temple's open field tackling is horrible. Is it because of a lack of focus on fundamentals? Lack of full contact practice, or are the opponents just that much quicker, stronger, and more agile? A play, a clip here. Stan Drayton was was asked about this because again, it's it's talked about almost every week. And for, I guess, lack of a better term, you know, Stan talked about sometimes the you'll hear him talk about here the the efforts there they're trying and they're trying and sometimes when they're trying too hard they they you know they lose their fundamentals. Again, it's not an excuse, but it's more of an explanation. But yeah, I I don't think it's a lack of full contact practice. There are a ton of teams in America that don't hit to preserve their health, and they're they're just fine. That's part of football now. I think again, you'll hear Stan talk about it here about how they're trying too hard and they're losing track of their fundamentals. Just yeah, just in the execution standpoint. I mean, you know, again, twenty one missed tackles, right? You know, um, you know, I thought that leading up to UTSA, we were struggling to, you know. Give our sense to give ourselves a chance on defense to take away uh, the football from the opponent, and we had four opportunities that you know we just you know created for ourselves and didn't execute. You know, but um, yeah, just to see the, the tackling piece and not getting off a of blocks piece that that wasn't the direction that we you know wanted to go in as we move forward. So we those are things that we're putting that focus back on. Not that we hadn't focused on it, but our players have really got to, you know, um, bring their fundamentals and techniques to the game. I think that it does get to a point where they start pressing. You know, they, they really want to win, guys. They, they really want to win, you know. And uh, sometimes when you got guys out there that don't have the experience, their effort tends to leave fundamentals behind. And, and we got to be able to put the effort along with the fundamentals and technique. That's how you get better. And, you know, so we're it's a constant learning process for us. All right. And to close things out here, Temple fan Al is the screen name. What are the odds Temple wins two more games the rest of the way? Does Temple have, a, we'll go around the horn here real quick. You guys see two more wins for Temple on the schedule? Kyle? Um, I mean, if I had to bet, I guess probably not. But like coming into the season, I always thought like they're going to struggle in this middle stretch and then they're going to have that bye week. And then the games after the bye week are like easier, right? Because like you're playing like some bad teams like Navy, USF, UAB. But like it all depends on EJ Warner. If this becomes like a nagging injury, like a nagging head injury, and he they just shut him down for the year, then like, no, they're not going to win another game. But like if he's healthy and he comes back from the bye week and they have five more shots at it, like, you know, I'll say yes. I'll be an optimist. Sure. Yeah, I think they can beat Navy and UAB if if they have EJ. You think they can beat Navy? Yeah. yeah. They can't stop the run. The that's natural option is all go crazy. That's my hesitation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to be like old man on the perch here, but that's a young person way of saying shit like that. Like, that's not – it's not the same type of running the football. Yeah. 
Like it's more like stopping Navy is more safety uh, based than right. defensive line based. It's about hitting your right gap. Like mm-hmm. that's true. I, I, that either. I, yeah, but I've seen right. like bad run teams stop Navy in the past. Yeah. Like it's all about like scheming. So mm-hmm. like if there's one team that like runs the ball as much as they could, they could stop. It would be Navy because like it's not always going to be up the middle. But I also think it's a lot of communication too, and we've sure. seen all year that they have struggled with communication. Oh yeah, especially they, in the secondary. Right. They, again, they don't have anything good on tape that would suggest that they can stop the run, but they've played Navy every year for the last several years. Well, I'm not every year, I should say, but, and they, they had them on the schedule non-conference before they got to, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that they've seen. I agree with Kyle. You can say, okay, this is what they do regardless of personnel every year. Uh, I see where he's coming from there. You think, yeah. And like you're asking then corners that can't cover the pass. Guess what? You don't have to cover the pass anymore. Right. Yeah. You just have to, <laughs> but, Joe yeah. McMurray, you don't have to worry about getting beat because like, they're going to run the ball 65 times. So you that's guys a chance. Think, you guys think they have two more wins on the schedule? I don't. I really don't. I'm with Declan. <laughs> I said it last week. I think their best chance to win was North Texas. And they couldn't. Yeah, do. Tulsa and North Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I think scheduling gods give them give them no favor because all the bad teams are on the road this year. And yeah. that just neutralizes things. They didn't get like a bad team at home this year. Yeah. Except maybe Navy. Well, like I said, more basketball on the way next week. We'll have a lot more. Uh, like I said, we'll have an interview with Cam Winter, who's on Adam Fisher's men's basketball staff. We'll have stuff from Women's Basketball Media Day. We'll talk more about what happens in this Temple SMU football game. So we'll have a lot more good stuff for you next week as we close, get closer, inch closer to the start of basketball season. Thank you all for the mailbag questions. Thanks for listening. Sticking with us for another week, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.